0: listening to the Getting Swamped podcast, your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Getting Swamped. This is your horse voice host, David Soderquist, because I was out the swamp. That place was electric. I was screaming and that is probably the loudest I have ever heard it in the swap with me just visiting a home game. And I'll tell you this, it was loud. The whole atmosphere was loud the whole game. But man, after that game ending interception, that place went insane. I could feel the the whole stadium shaking. The, uh, the, the atmosphere was just electric, man. And uh, I got to give a shout out, man, to the. Everybody who just showed up, bought a ticket, uh, screamed every single down to try to get them to do a false start, which they were actually a really disciplined team. So hats off to the Utah Utes, man. Not really many penalties from the Utes, and actually not really many penalties from the Florida Gators, but we'll break it all down here. But shout out to the everybody there at the Harmonic Woods tailgate. Uh, just an awesome tailgate. They throw one every single year. It never upsets, and that's the largest Harmonic Woods tailgate I've ever attended, man lots of people from social media gator twitter showed up i got to meet a lot of you guys out there and it was just a fun atmosphere and i think i had a little bit too much fun man i was still feeling the after effects of that on the uh drive to back to woodstock here on sunday morning i had to get a day of recovery in before i could uh record this podcast but man what an atmosphere man just from the tailgating to inside of the stadium it was just electric as i said so uh Yeah, man, got to do it again. And uh, I'll say this, man, Anthony Richardson, good as advertised, as we thought. 23 attempts, 16 completions, 69.6% completion rating, zero interceptions. 70% completion rating, did not turn over the ball. That's what you want to see out of your quarterback every single game. Richardson was 7-9 for on passes, 10 yards or more for 107 yards four for six down the middle for 39 yards and five or six for 19 yards on throws behind the line of scrimmage to receivers. Got to give your hats off to Anthony Richardson in the short passing game. But I, I, there is one takeaway I did notice about this. There was only one deep shot taken past 20 yards and it wasn't caught. I believe it was Justin Shorter that was uh, contested with one of their corners there, or I think it was Xavier Henderson. But anyway, I'll say this, and, and, and I even went on Twitter and I put this out there. I said, you know, I don't miss Dan Mullen whatsoever, but I do miss his offensive play calling. To me, I thought the offense looked pretty vanilla. And look, I get it. It's it's the coaching staff's first game. These are guys that they didn't recruit. They're still trying to figure things out. So whether I complain or not, I have to give credit to the staff. They stuck to their game plan. They didn't flinch no matter what happened in that game. I mean, Florida started off with a drive that was a fumble and – Utah scored off that fumble. They didn't flinch. They stuck to the game plan. They pulled off the upset. They won against a top-ten team in the Swamp. So no matter how I complain about how the offense was ran or how the defense looked or anything, they got the W. And that's what good coaching is. You find the way to win the game no matter what happens. So got to give a special shout-out there to Billy Napier in his first game. And the coaching staff. Uh, Just just an amazing job and and good clock management and game management. And we'll get all into that here. But, man, as I said, Richardson, a man among boys. Nine rushing attempts for 104 yards, averaging 8.7 yards per rush and three touchdowns. Richardson also had 39 yards after contact, averaging 3.25 yards after contact with two rushing attempts for 10-plus yards and also forced three missed tackles and was responsible for seven first downs. That is a man that is hard to take down there, folks. But that isn't the only man who had a great game rushing the football. And isn't it great to have a staff that just doesn't play the senior players and isn't afraid to put freshmen out there? Shout out to Billy Napier and the staff again. Trevor Etienne. Five rushing attempts, 64 yards, averaging 12.8 yards per rush. Did have a fumble there, but was able to recover it. But listen to this. On his five sole attempts, he averaged 4.8 yards after contact and forced five missed tackles. Another good one here. On his five attempts, three of those attempts went for 10-plus yards or more. And on every rushing attempt ETN had, he got the first down. He was 5-for-5. Five five when crossing the first down marker impressive first game just for the short amount of attempts that Trevor Etienne had man so wow we have got a uh, a good backfield of running backs for the future I can rest assured of that but hey we can't forget about the Sunbelt freshman player of the year Montrell Johnson 12 attempts 75 yards 6.3 yards per attempt one touchdown 4.08 yards after contact, three force missed tackles, four runs of 10-plus yards or more, and five total first-down runs. Capping off, all of that, though, would be Naquan Wright, 10 attempts, 39 yards, 3.9 yards per rush, 2.1 yards after contact, one first down, and one run of 10-plus yards or more. So Naquan, you know, may have not had the best night out of the rushing statistics, but, you know, coming off that injury, it, it was possibly to be expected so it's a good thing that we can get him acclimated back to the game of football and hey I've seen Naquan play way better than this in the past so the first game I'm not too worried but man what a day rushing for Florida 285 total yards rushing as a team averaging 7.7 yards per rush for four touchdowns and a total of 138 yards of those rushing yards after contact man hey I cannot complain there at all whatsoever. Almost 50% of Florida's rushing yards coming after contact. But surprisingly, you would think Anthony Richardson had the most yards after contact. No. Montrell Johnson, 49 yards after contact. 65.3% of his yards came after contact. So there's a reason why Montrell Johnson was Sun Belt Freshman Player of the Year, folks. That kid is an absolute stud with the football. Now, of course, he can't be coughing up the football on the first drive of the game and giving Utah seven points, but, you know, he did put the blame on himself. He has to get better hands there, as he said. So did Trevor Etienne. He even put blame on himself, even when he uh, recovered the old fumble and, and it didn't go to Utah. So, you know, you got to clean that up. And we'll get into some of the bad of this game, but I want to get through some of the good first. And, uh, yeah, man, just the rushing statistics overall overall. That is an elite rushing attack there, especially last year when you were in the top 25 in rushing and you actually surpassed your average rushing yards from last year, which was, let me look, 206.4 yards uh, per game last year. So you very well surpassed that just in the first game of the season against the number seven team in the nation. As I said, you still can't complain about that. Receiving-wise, I'm not going to get too much into that. We didn't have a 100-yard receiver this game, but, may, I mean, basically we were pounding the ball all game. That was the game plan anyway. But Ricky Persall, man, showing why he's the uh, the man to toss it to, man. 67 yards, but average 16.8 yards per reception. Xavier Henderson, 38 yards, 7.6 per reception. Justin Shorter, 25 yards, 12.5 yards per reception montrell johnson 14 yards 14 yards per reception and that's about really it for the receiving statistics i mean trevor Etienne, he had two receptions keon zipper had one dejon reynolds had one and dante Sanders also had one not really a uh, a huge uh i guess passing attack and as i said you know I, I talked about dan mullen and his passing attack look the the plan was simple Wear down Utah's defense, let that heat and humidity get to them, pound the football, and get out of there with a victory. And as I said, that's what Florida did. Now let's go offensive line here really, really fast. Phenomenal effort from the offensive line. Zero sacks allowed. Zero quarterback contacts allowed. Only one quarterback hurry allowed this whole game. Got to give your hats off to this offensive line. They did their job. They made sure Anthony Richardson was protected. And it, obviously 285 rushing yards, man. So the offensive line did more than well at its job this game. So I gotta give a shout out to everybody. Not just one, not Richard Garage, not Osiris to Torrance, not Eagle Khan, not Tarquin. Everybody on that offensive line did phenomenal when they were in the game. And if you go to Pro Football Focus, just about every offensive lineman. It's rated 70 or above in pass blocking. So congrats out there to the offensive line. This is what I want to see every single game. Anthony Richardson protected. We need him protected. Doesn't need to get hurt and have an effective rushing attack. And that's exactly what they did. The number seven team in the nation. You heard Billy Napier say, hey, we got eight, nine, 10. We're looking for 11, 12, 13 or something like that. I can't even remember the numbers, but he said we're we're deep at offensive line. I, I didn't. And personally, coming into the season, I thought we were pretty deep on offensive line, like numbers 1 through 6, maybe. Man, 7 through 8 through 9, 10, and, and beyond all showed out Saturday. So as I said, hats off to this offensive line. That's a uh, one phenomenal effort from them. And I will say this before I get to the defensive side of the football. Uh, as far as offensive line and the numbers, Utah's offensive line did great too. They didn't give up a sack either, but the, the game plans are simple on both sides. Pound the football. When you're pounding the football, you're trying to run the football, you're doing short pass plays, you're not going to get many sacks in that game anyway. It doesn't matter how good your defensive line is, if the game plan is is just to rush the football, short pass plays, you're not going to see many sacks anyway. But still, when you got 200 plus yards rushing on top of that, you, you gotta gotta take your hats off and just say, hey, the the offensive line played pretty damn well, so. Let's go defense now, and since we're on the lines, we'll go defensive line. Now, in my opinion, just watching from afar and not having to look at any film or anything like that, just being at the game screaming and uh, being really, really buzzed from the Harmonic Woods tailgate, uh, looking at that defensive line, the first half they played pretty good. Second half, ooh, it it was kind of nasty. I'm not going to lie. I did not like the... I don't know. I I guess I'm not going to say effort because I think they put in effort. I just didn't like the, I guess you could just say I didn't like the results of the second half. So Florida's going to have to clean some stuff up there defensively on that defensive line. But let's go into the numbers here. Florida's pass rushing had two quarterback contacts in a total of 10 quarterback hurries, but zero sacks there. But as I said, you have to give credit to Utah's offensive line and their quarterback too. Cameron Rising, great decision maker, can elude pressure, has good legs. That's what he did this whole game. When he got pressured, he knew where to run, knew where to throw it, whether it was out of bounds or to a receiver, didn't turn the ball over, didn't force a throw until the end there with the interception in the end zone where everybody erupted. But pretty good quarterback play from Cameron Rising, I'm not going to lie. And Utah had more passing yards than we did. So uh, you got to give credit where credit is due. Utah came to play. They took on Florida's defensive line. They had a good game plan for them eluded pressure for Cameron rising, made sure he didn't get sacked or take a big hit. So it is what it is, man. Both offensive lines played great. Uh, If you go down the numbers, Gervon Dexter kind of leaded the charge here. He had two total tackles, two quarterback hurries. And if you want to just go pass rush, basically, Brenton Cox, two total tackles, two quarterback hurries as well. The team as a whole only had 12 total tackles in pass rushing. So defensive line wise and linebacker wise, I mean, there really wasn't a lot of, I I guess, explosive there from that part of the field. But as I said, man, just a great game plan from both teams. It was a it was a it was actually not even really a shootout. It was a rush out (laughs) because everybody was just running the ball. And uh, hey, you know what? We beat Utah in rushing. Utah beat us in passing. So we'll go there next a little bit here. There really wasn't much here for the defensive line. So I don't really want to go in depth into detail here. But let's go into Florida. Florida's coverage here now. Florida, I would say they had some trouble against those two tight ends we were talking about on the last podcast, me and David Waters. That was expected because we knew how good those tight ends were. We also knew how good their running back Tavion Thomas was, and we'll get into those statistics there as well, but Amari Bernie, I know he got a lot of flack this game. He gave up the most yardage this game, but you got to kind of take it away when he made the game-winning interception for us in the, uh, in the end zone there. So uh, I'll give a shout-out there to Amari Bernie. He did allow 82 yards, 13.7 yards per reception, and he did allow 43 yards after contact. Excuse me, after the catch. But, of course, we know he had that interception, which kind of made up for all of it in this game. Um... Jason Marshall would only allow 30 yards. Vetro Miller, 30 yards. Travez Johnson, 25. Jalen Kimber, 22. Rashad Torrance, 10. Every single person in coverage, besides Amari Burney, allowed under 50 yards passing. So you got to give a shout out to those guys there. Now, as far as yards after catch, that was kind of messy. 127 yards allowed after the catch and five missed tackles. So I, I guess the missed tackles... We're okay, but you really don't want people getting into the secondary anyway. So, but hey, it was a lot better than last year. I think Florida, as a total for 13 games, had 135 missed tackles. So if you divide 13 by one, th- that's about. Um, 10 or so missed tackles per game, and I think they were under that this this game. I'm going to have to go check that total here after this. But, hey anyway, as I said, pass coverage-wise, Florida, it looked like they didn't do that well, but they actually did pretty good with the exception of Amari Bernie. I know he got some flack, but, hey, you got us the interception and the game-winning interception. So uh, I guess that could cancel that out. But, hey, you know what? Amari Bernie just needs to get a little bit better in that pass coverage, man, and, and I think he'll be all right. He did not miss a tackle. The only missed tackles were from... Ventro Miller with one, Jalen Kimber with one, Rashad Torrance with two, and Avery Helm with one. So as far as defensive backfield, didn't do too bad, actually. Now we can go into run defense. As far as run defense statistics, not too bad either. Only six missed tackles there in run defense, and 16 total defensive rushing stops for the team, which if you go by that, that means a, a rushing play that was supposed to go positive and went negative. We all know about that goal line stand. We're going to get into all of that after we get through the in-depth stats here and just talk basically about the game. But 33 total tackles in run defense. So Florida actually pretty good in run defense, but not total wise against Tavion Thomas here. They could not stop him. Tavion Thomas, 115 yards rushing, and Cameron Rising also had 91 yards rushing too. And... Cameron rising 4.29 yards after contact. So, yeah, you got to kind of clean that one up, man. Uh, that That's really not that good uh, as far as like the quarterback getting past you and having 4.2 yards after contact. Now, I will say Tavion Thomas only had 2.39 yards after contact, being a 230, 40-pound running back. I mean, and he had 1,100 yards rushing in the Pac-12 last year. So uh, we all knew this. We knew he was going to be a tough running back to take down Florida did what they had to do, but it could have been better, you know, but we expected this. We expected Tavion Thomas to have some kind of play in this game. We talked about it last week. People to look out for Tavion Thomas, Brent Keith or Keithy, or however you say his name and Dalton Kincaid. I mean, those two tight ends plus the running back. We said, watch out for these guys. The other guy we said was Chris Phillips, the third, which I don't really think he had that much of a factor in this game. Uh, So, I mean, those were basically the guys that we said, hey, we got to look out for these people. On top of Cameron Rising also, we all knew about Cameron Rising coming into the game. There was no question about that. So as I said, man, the number seven team in the nation playing the unranked team, you knew Utah was going to get some yardage in this game. They had more passing yards than Florida, but Florida outrushed them. On the on the ground and I, and that's what really won Florida the football game. They were able to c- kill clock on that last drive to make it to where Utah had to drive the field in a minute and thirty. And those refs were god awful that whole game. And yeah, we'll get into that too here. But as I said, man, it was one of those knockdown dragout fights. Vegas got it right. I mean, the the, the spread I think was two point five uh, before the game, and they were pretty spot on. So. You know, a lot of people said, I don't want to bet on this game because it's not a safe game to bet on. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't unless you bet on some crazy prop bet. But uh, as I said, nobody was touching this game. People knew Florida was a lot better than that 6-17 and that they saw last year. They knew Anthony Richardson was better than Emory Jones. They knew we lost Jacob Copeland. They knew some of the talent that we lost. Mohamed Diabate, who had a blunder this game, which was funny. Tyron Hopper, who left the team and, and transferred out. They knew what we got from the transfer portal. In Osiris Torrance, Montrell Johnson, Cameron Waits, a guy that we still have really not a lot to see from. But look, like we knew that this team was going to be different, but we knew it was going to be better than it was last year. A lot of other guys had us written off. SEC Network had us written off 6-6. Six and six. I bet you they're changing their mind right now, so... Anyway, that will actually kind of do it for a little bit of the breakdown. It was more of a rushing-slash-short-passing game this whole uh, entire time watching it from the football field, just from the top row. So total overall, Utah would have 216 total passing yards, 230 total rushing yards. Florida would give up 446 yards of offense. That's something you don't want to see. And uh, as I said, we'll get into the basics and my kind of game breakdown on all these drives in the second part of getting swamped. But Florida would answer right back with 451 total offensive yards of their own, 168 yards passing. 285, well some, some sites have it as 283 but they do count negative yardage uh, Pro Football Focus does it so it was 285, 283 per ESPN so as a whole Florida went blow for blow against Utah, the number 7 team in the nation and came out with a victory in the Swamp and we'll recap the drives and everything that that kind of turned the tables for Florida and Utah on the second part of getting Swamped coming up need a sign for your company your man cave your live stream or podcast give my guy brandon white a shout out at white and sons wood carving he has the best handcrafted signs nationally all custom fit for your needs with state-of-the-art paint and epoxy you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom leds as a package as well give him a shout out on twitter at ws wood carving you can also follow him on twitch and check out his facebook page at white and sons Woodcarving. top of the line signs made from scratch College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Gettin' Swamped podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, man. That was just some of the in-depth statistics from the game, but we all know that statistics are only one half of the story. The eye test and what you see on the field is a different story. So now we're going to kind of go into these drives and what happened in this game and sort of the, uh, I can't really even say blunders, but like some of the things that could have really shifted this game for, for either team here. Now, I mean, you know, the first drive, I mean, Florida looked good on that first drive. You know, they drive the ball from all the way to the eight to the Utah 32, but montrell johnson ran for four yards looked like a really good run there but fumbled it to jonah ellis and it got recovered by rj hubert and he returned it for 47 yards and the funny part about that is richardson people don't know how fast this kid is man 240 pounds running a 4-4 he literally chased this dude down it looked like it was going to be a fumble six and He knocked him out of bounds into the kicker's net. It was hilarious. If you looked at it, it wasn't hilarious as a Florida fan seeing it, you know, being upset about the fumble, but when you go back and look at the game, it is pretty hilarious. But man, Utah would turn that into seven points on only five plays for 25 yards in a minute and 24, and you look at the score and you're saying, well, it was 26 to 29. It was a close game. Uh, really? If you start off there with seven points and you don't give Utah the seven points, you can change the score from 19 to 36 and it's a completely, totally different game. So, you know, Billy Napier, he's adamant about making the team earn it, make them earn their yards. Well, I mean, that's a prime example right there of, of what can turn a game. One turnover can kill it for you folks. So, uh, you know, Montrell Johnson, obviously he, he, he gave him you know, he he took responsibility for that. I mean, it it happened, it's over with whatever, but man, that was a, a really deflating opening drive for Florida. But you know, Florida, in a couple more drives, would answer back on a 14-place, 63-yard drive, a completely just awesome-looking drive there from uh, Anthony Richardson. So, uh, Florida would tie the game on a walk-in touchdown from Anthony Richardson there for two yards. So, Florida, you know, just within a couple drives, got right back in this game, didn't let that first drive deflate their confidence, and scored and tied this game, and, and keeping the crowd in this game as well. You did not want to go 14 to nothing down on Utah uh, just Right at the beginning of the game. Not like kind of like how you did Alabama there. That was uh, a little bit deflating and actually it cost you the game there last year against Alabama. So Florida responded, man, seven to seven here. And this is where kind of Florida would start seeing the Tavion Thomas runs, these little short runs, these quick uh passing. But they would hold Utah to a field goal here. So Florida would get the ball and only have three plays for negative two yards. And I remember this drive distinctly. I remember them running Naquan right twice, and that Anthony Richardson would pass it to Xavier Henderson to the sideline. And it just it it looked like such a terrible play call, and it was blown up right when it was about to be released. Uh, didn't really get that one, but, uh, hey, I mean, it, it happens in a game, so Florida will punt it back off and hold utah to a field goal again of an eight play 25 yard drive so now it would be 13 to 7 but florida you know when they were down they responded richardson would go on a four play 79 yard drive in only a minute and 36 and you have to give your hats off to anthony richardson on this play you know he saw that defensive play develop he saw where utah shifted he saw that wide-open grass over there on the left side. That And I remember being in the stands, and I was calling it, and I said, just run to the left. He ran all the way to the left, 45 yards for a touchdown, and shook a tackle as well, man. As I said, man, Richardson's Superman. You can't take that kid down. So Florida up here a point, but Utah would have time to put points up on the board. Did not do that. Florida holds them to a five-play, 27-yard drive for a punt, and then Florida would end the half from there. So Florida would go into halftime, leading by a point, outgaining... Utah in total yardage, 248 yards to Utah's 134 yards. They would also outgain them in rushing for the half, 147 yards rushing to Utah's 59. They would also outgain them in passing yards, Florida's 101 to Utah's 75. They would also outgain them in first downs, 12 first downs to Utah's nine first downs. They would also be three of six for first downs, and Utah would only be two of six for first downs. Florida would also outgain Utah in the first half in total average yards per play at 7.8 to Utah's 4.5, and they would pretty much get the time of possession here 16 minutes and 10 seconds to Utah's 13 minutes and 50 seconds. So going into halftime, and I remember telling this to my buddy Ben, I was sitting by, I said, Florida has gotta just play clean. They're they're winning and dominating the statistics. They can't turn the football over. And uh, we would go into halftime and that's where kind of where Utah would kind of answer back and make the better halftime adjustments here. And the defensive line would look completely different from what it did in the first half. And Utah would come out and get all the way to Florida's one yard line on 11 play 71 yard drive in Florida. Man, what a goal line stand! uh You know, Utah instead of electing to go for the field goal, goes for it on fourth down and does not get it. Tavion Thomas runs for no gain and turns the ball over in Florida's own end zone. Well, excuse me, the one yard line. Florida would then, you know, get out of their own end zone on a 49 yard drive. But let's talk about this goal line stand. You know, I talk about swinging things in a game now. If Florida lets Utah just kick a field goal there, this game's tied going into overtime. But if Florida lets Utah score here, this game is over. So what a goal line stand for the University of Florida for that defensive line that seemed to struggle in the second half. Hey, you know what? Even Billy Napier talked about this in practices. They said, man, it was hard to score in the red zone in these scrimmages when it came to this defense. Yeah, well, Utah experienced that firsthand. Florida's defensive line standing Utah up, denying them seven points, denying them three points, which really swung this game, too. So Florida getting a little bit of payback for that uh, turnover on that first drive that gave Utah seven points and uh, responding here in uh, dominant fashion here on the the defensive line. And they didn't have the best second half, but they showed up when it was needed and, and really just changed the outcome of this game. So Florida would then go on an eight-play, 49-yard drive, and then we would see Trevor Etienne kind of uh, showing his uh, presence there and making some good, impressive plays there, a 17-yard rush from Trevor Etienne, but then Richardson would have shorter, wide open, kind of threw it behind him a little bit, and uh, that would uh, seal the deal for that drive, so they would have to punt it off, and unfortunately... Right after that, Utah scores a touchdown, only holding Utah to one-third down on this drive, and Tavion Thomas converting it on a five-yard run, but then Florida, three first downs in a row. Even after a false start from Dalton Kidcade making it at first at 15, Cameron Rising would then rush for 26 yards to the Florida seven-yard line and then give up a seven-yard run from Micah Bernard for a touchdown touchdown. This is where Utah would go for two points and try to make it within a, uh, you know, a, just a field goal or so. And Florida. Responded again in the red zone, does not convert the two point conversion, making it 19 to 22 instead of 21 to 14. Florida would then respond with an eight play, 75 yard touchdown, making it 19 to 20 here, and they would also go on their own little two point conversion. This was the play that Anthony Richardson and the uh, Mohamed Diabate blunder happened, which was uh, really awesome to see at, at Richardson. Superman himself looks like he's going for a jump pass there, scampers and passes it to a wide open Jaquavion Frazier's for a two point conversion followed beforehand by Montrell Johnson's 14 yard, beautiful run for a touchdown. So Florida would then be up 19 to 22. And this is where the defensive line was just kind of getting eaten up by rushing yards. And and Amari Bernie was kind of getting picked off by these tight ends and Man, Utah responded, 11 plays, 73-yard touchdown, 4-7 points here, making it 26-22 to 22 in Florida. Every time Utah scored, Florida would respond. 14 plays, 75 yards, taking five minutes off the clock, giving Utah about a minute and 20, minute 30 there, making it 26-29. to 29. This was the drive that Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne just showed out there. And uh, Florida responded, punching Utah right in the mouth. And and I'll say this, every time Utah scored, Florida responded. They were exchanging blows left and right. And I will say that this last drive of this game was probably the longest drive I have ever seen in my life. And these Pac-12 reps were awful. I don't know how many times they tried to reset this clock to give Utah a chance to score at the end, but they kept doing it. The crowd was getting antsy. I was getting a little irritated. But man... It ended pretty well for the Florida Gators, and I do not have to recap this drive for you folks at all. You know what happened. Rising would drive it all the way to the Florida Six, and then it would get intercepted by Amari Bernie with 17 seconds left in the game. That crowd, I was up in the top high risers. That place erupted. That was the loudest I have ever heard it in the stadium Tons of people giving each other high fives, random people hugging each other, didn't know who they were, didn't care. Florida wins the football game on this drive. And, and, and looking at this drive too, Cameron Rising almost threw three picks this drive. I mean, there was one where I think it went through Ventral Miller's hands into a receiver's hands. Utah kind of got lucky on that one. Then you had a dropped interception by somebody else. Can't remember who it was. I was sitting up there in the high risers. Didn't really have time to watch the game review here. But man, you know, Florida did pretty well with Cameron Rising. They forced him to throw the football like Cameron Rising had to throw the football. I mean, they they were going to run out of time And Florida. They responded, man. Amari Bernie makes up for his terrible play in this game against these tight ends, gets the interception in the end zone, helps Florida with the football game and redeems himself a little bit here. So, man, as I said, dude, what a game. I think Florida and, and, and Utah, they have an argument too, man. There was two big things that swung this game. There was actually probably three. You know, Florida doesn't fumble, scores. Utah doesn't get stood up at the goal line and scores. This game could have been different both ways. But you you give to touchdown to Florida. You give that touchdown to Utah. You're still with the same outcome here. So just an amazing interception. And what a first game it was for Sean Kelly to replace Vic Hubert. And we're going to go ahead and play this call for the end of the game because it's just a, a phenomenal call from Sean Kelly. Rising out of the shotgun with Bernard off his right hip, looking to throw, guns it for the end zone. Hey! The football game on a takeaway by Amari Burney. And that's a W for the Gators. What a first game for Sean Kelly. And what a call, man. I, I still have chills every time I hear the call. I had chills in the stadium. And it was just so loud. And that was. What hell of a first game for Sean Kelly and what a first game you can have too when you sign up for prizepicks.com with promo code swamped join prize picks right now with promo code swamped to receive 100% instant deposit match up to hundred dollars on your first deposit prize picks offers every sport you can think of like MMA college football soccer MLB you name it prize picks has it you can also mix picks in the same lineup I chose the over on Anthony Richardson just this past week. I also took the over on Total KDR in the Warzone Tournament just this past week, along with Derek Henry. And I also put Max Fried from the Braves on my lineup as well. So chop on, folks, for all you Braves fans out there. It was just that simple, and I did it in the matter of minutes. Picks is rated 4.8 stars out of thousands of reviews. It's quick. It's easy. It's just that simple, folks. So let your boy David Soderquist help you out on your first deposit when you sign up for prize picks with promo code SWAMPT, prizepicks.com, daily fantasy simplified. Ready, set. You're listening to Getting Swamped with David Soderquist. What a game, man. What a game it was. Florida defeats the Utah Utes 29-26. to Just a good start for the Billy Napier era. And uh, you got to imagine what them recruits were thinking too, watching that game, watching that crowd and uh, getting pulled through that victory. So we'll need to see and maybe pay attention to recruiting here in this next couple of months or so. So maybe some interesting things will come out of that victory there in the Swamp. And You know, I usually do this podcast every Sunday for you folks, and sometimes I have a guest, sometimes I don't. So I will be doing two podcasts a week. I'll be doing a game review for the Saturday game, whoever we are against. So next week it will be Kentucky. I'll do a review after that game, and I'll be doing a preview during the week. So I'll be previewing Kentucky sometime at some point during this week. So you're going to get a double dose of getting swamped here two times a week during the season with some guests mixed in here and there, depending on what the schedules are like. And uh, as I said, man, what a game. I am so happy college football is back. The final totals for the game, Utah, 446 yards of offense, Florida, 451 yards of offense, Florida averaging 7.3 yards per rush, Utah averaging 5.9 Florida with 283 yards total rushing Utah with 230 Utah with 216 total passing yards Florida with only 168 Florida also with only seven penalties this game instead of like 13 or 14 and and hardly any false starts so that that's an improvement I'd still like to see that penalty level a little bit lower I'm sure Billy Napier would too Utah Very, very disciplined team when it comes to flags. Only three penalties for 15 yards. First downs, Utah 25, Florida 23. Third downs. Florida converted 58% of their third downs. Utah converted 62% of their third downs. Florida shutting out Utah in fourth down conversions, and Florida actually being two of two of their fourth down conversions. Utah having more of the total plays at 71, Florida at 63. Average yards per play, Florida would have 7.2. Utah would have 6.3. And time of possession, Utah would kind of beat Florida here 32 minutes and 17 seconds to Florida's 27 seconds and 43 seconds they would be even in turnovers everybody saw the amari bernie interception at the end and of course the the fumble that uh was recovered by the utah player that almost went for seven And if we did not have anthony richardson and if much of a freak that he is he probably would have scooped and scored that one so a good save there by anthony richardson utah even in turnovers with florida zero sacks given by both teams so overall a good offensive effort from both teams I would love to see the defense play a little bit better, clean up some of the missed tackles. But, hey, the, the total missed tackles for Florida this game is actually 11. I thought it was less than that. So uh, they had 132 total missed tackles in 13 games. So that's pretty par on average from what they had last year. So hopefully Patrick Toadie, and the defensive staff could clean that up. If Florida – hopefully they get more than 13 games this year uh, depending on – how good Anthony Richardson and uh, this defensive staff and, and what we do on both sides of the football. So let's hope that that happens. But, man, overall, I can't complain with the, the plan for the game and, and how Florida, as I said, did not go back on their plan. I would have loved to seen a little bit more from this defensive line and this defense. But, uh, as I said, first game, new coaching staff, you got to see what works and what doesn't. And, and, and hey, sometimes teams get better as the season goes on, so... Florida will have a, uh, I guess, I don't even know if it's going to be a daunting task with Chris Rodriguez out for a DUI and Mondale Robinson going to the NFL and Kentucky just didn't really look impressive to me against Miami, Ohio, but we're going to go all in depth on that preview next week on getting swamped. But as I said, it wasn't a perfect game. I don't think any perf there. I don't think there's such thing as a perfect game anyway in, in football, but overall with the result and us taking down the number seven team in the nation I can't complain Utah we knew had a good offense coming into the game we knew those players were going to give us trouble we were just hoping we could minimize that trouble and in some instances we did and then others we kind of really didn't so you know There'll be things to work on here before playing Kentucky and check them out. Man, today there's going to be a couple press conferences. I know they're going on right now as I am recording this podcast, so I will have to review those press conferences here as well. But man, there was some good close games this whole week. I mean, it started off with West Virginia and Pittsburgh. That one was a good one down to the wire. You had that funny game with Oklahoma State and Central Michigan. The Oklahoma State fans not really happy with the t- how the team played. That was a little bit funny looking at the messages boards there you know you had a top five matchup between Notre Dame and Ohio State Ohio State pulls it off 21 to 10 Georgia dominating Oregon in Bo Nicks fashion 49 to 3 Texas A&M shutting out Sam Houston 31 to 0 Texas A&M kind of looking eh, not that great but uh you know they did the job that they went in there and they they beat Sam Houston State that's all they could do excuse me Sam Houston NC State Having a close one there with East Carolina, 21-20. to Miami beating their chest because they beat up on Bethune-Cookman. Well, I mean, you took care of business. That's what you had to do against the team that you're playing. So I'll give you some some credit there. But uh, I need to see a more impressive win since the the Miami fans are one of the most annoying fan bases out there on Twitter. Uh, But you did the job. You went in there and you did what you had to do against an inferior team. Cincinnati-Arkansas. Pretty good game there, man. Arkansas pulls it off 31 to 24. Houston and UTSA, close one there, 37 to 35. Penn State and Purdue, forgot about that one. That one was on after that West Virginia, or excuse me, during the West Virginia pit game there. And I didn't have time to watch that game because I had to travel and get to Gainesville. I needed some sleep. So I fell asleep during that game. And man, last night, <laughs> LSU versus Florida State. What a uh, – as a lot of people on Twitter, they're calling it a mid-off because there was just a lot of blunders in the game that was – it was a horrible game to watch. Both offensive lines did not play great at all whatsoever. But Jordan Travis, as I said, I'm pretty high on the guy. He doesn't really have pieces around him. But when the pressure was on him, man, and, and that pass rush was getting to him, he had an answer, and LSU really didn't, so um, Florida State proving that dancing on players and films and acting like a complete, uh, I don't even know what to call it, does does not get you wins against inferior teams, and unfortunately, LSU loses to Florida State. Uh, the LSU fan base already wants Brian Kelly fired, and proving that Florida made the better hire over LSU in week one, but folks, that will do it. For this episode of Getting Swamped. And I want to give a shout out, as I said once again, to everybody who showed up for Harmonic Woods. They do these tailgates every game, every year, home and away. If you ever want to join in and participate in the events there, always contact their account on Twitter. Send them a DM. They'll let you know where they're at. And they're all good people, man. They they treat everybody equally when they come down. And it's a good time, man. And, and I will say, tailgating from... 8 a.m. all the way till the, the game starts is, is is an experience from for when you're almost 38. And uh, you don't really feel good on a Sunday. So that's why I kind of didn't really record this on a Sunday. Plus, I had to travel back from from Gainesville. I had a little bit of jet lag there. And uh, I had a little bit of a, a an excedrin moment as well when I came home. So always a fun time there. Harmonic Woods. Shout out to Ben Chase, Joe Stazio, some of those other guys uh, that were with me in attendance there. Really, two really great guys. Ben Chase actually got on SEC Network uh, just the other day, predicting a Florida win before the Utah game. So now, look what you did, Ben. You're the man. But overall, what a week for Billy Napier and his regime, the coaching staff. Got some things to work on here coming up against Kentucky, but hey, that was a high-powered offense we just faced. Gave Ohio State fits in their bowl game, and every expert had Florida counted out. We responded. We won the football game. Superman himself, Anthony Richardson, does it again. Florida comes out there with the victory. So, everybody, enjoy your Monday, your Labor Day. Clemson and Georgia Tech coming up here on the horizon. And I will be previewing Kentucky with a guest this coming week for you folks. But that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.